Welcome to the Legacy Leaders Podcast. Are you doing the best for your client to help them create their legacy? Are you creating a plan that goes far beyond finances to help people ensure that it becomes the driving force behind all decisions? On this podcast, hosts Katie Beth Hand and Stan Miller will help you with growing your practice and your client's peace of mind. Together, they bring the best and brightest minds to share with you how to help your clients develop their best legacy. And now, here are your hosts, Katie Beth and Stan. You're listening with your host, Diane Robinson, Investment Advisor with IP Financial Advisory Services, LLC. Our guest today is Lois Biddy of the Biddy Law Group in Pittsburgh. Lois, I am so excited to have you with us today. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's really an honor to be here. Thank you. Let's get the really important question out of the way first. Are you a Penguins, Pirates, or Steelers fan? <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Okay, so now that we have that settled, let's get serious. Why did you go to law school? Wow, that's a great question. So I wanted to graduate early from college because I was paying my way through and I wanted to get to work right away. And I took a class with a guy named Russell Sunshine. Isn't that a great name? And it was a weekend intensive class to make up a couple of credits before so I could graduate early. And he was an attorney and he did this really cool stuff and he would go around the world and he would negotiate contracts to build like a vitamin um, manufacturing plant in China or a, a steel manufacturing plant in Nairobi. And I thought, wow, that is really neat. I want to do that. And I thought, well, what do you do, Russell? And he said, well, I went to law school. And I said, great. So I left college. I went to American and I stayed in DC and I worked for Platinum American Express, which was a wonderful job. And then I applied to law school and I went to law school in Delaware and I realized that you don't just come out of law school and become an international negotiator. You actually have to do other things. And so I went with a whole different vision of being this international corporate business person. And my journey was very convoluted. But it's ironic right now that I'm working with a startup uh, international company on the, as well as my estate planning business. So I got here anyway, even though it wasn't uh, a direct path. So after law school, I went to New York. I graduated and I got married and I passed the bar all within a couple of months, which was a little crazy. But New York was wonderful. And I worked with a general practice firm and they helped me get a lot of experience in different areas. And we were across the street on 9-11, unfortunately. So after that, we sort of went our separate ways. But I still talked to all of the partners and they're wonderful people. And I met some great, really, really smart people there. And I um, hung out my own shingle after 9-11 and I started my own practice. And I really loved helping people. So I kept on this journey of expanding my practice, going from more of a corporate commercial litigation to more of a people-centered focus. And um with that practice, I was able to expand into family and estate work. And then I had children, family of my own. And then I ended up going out to dinner with my dad one night. And he said, what are you doing? Move home. So my dad thinks he's like the Frank Sinatra of Pittsburgh, who had his own law firm, brought me into Pittsburgh in 2008. And I moved back home. And dad and I are law partners. And he's now retired. And my sister is my billing manager. My mom helped raise my kids who are now teenagers and one's in college. And here we are. So, so yeah, it's been a, a journey for sure. And I'm really, really blessed that I can help people to help their own families, to plan for the future, to, you know, give what I say is the best gift you can give your family, which is that your 
directives, your instructions, your last wishes, and what you want to happen to your stuff when you're not here to tell anybody what to do with your stuff. So is that the reason you focused on estate planning? Yeah, it was sort of a natural progression. I was doing family and corporate work. I'm truly a general practitioner because everybody's life can't be put into a little bucket, right? So you may be going through a divorce, but you also own a business and you have children. And then after the divorce is final, you want to make sure that your children and maybe your stepchildren get your inherit, inherit your estate. So I've been focusing more and more on estate work because there's a lot of demand for it. People really want to have some help in this area. And I've been doing it for about 10 years. And I work with financial planners like you who are able to guide me and our clients or, you know, we work together to help our clients really make the best decisions they can for their families. Okay, so I'm often asked by clients and others for recommendations. So who is your ideal client and why? Mm. That's always a challenge because there's no such thing as an ideal client, right? But I think that the ideal client is one who wants to learn, who wants to be educated about what they're doing with their estate, who really wants to provide for their family, who wants to be clear in their communication. And, you know, frankly, who's not afraid to pay for some of those services, because I think people don't appreciate that the work that we do is difficult and it's complicated and it isn't something that you can just come up with in an hour, you know, initial consult. You have to really dig into the client's, you know, assets and their liabilities and their history and their personalities, right? That they are able to. I'm going to have hold on a second. Sure. Jungle your daddy. Here, go. <laughs> I actually, I'm in the car to avoid my dogs barking over me because they'll do the same thing. Well, when I scheduled this, I didn't realize it was the first day of hunting. And so my husband wasn't supposed to come back till afternoon. So as long as he wasn't here, she was going to be quiet. But so I apologize. So it's we'll okay. come back <laughs> where we were. Yeah. Beth, you need to edit some of this. <laughs> Okay, I think the dog gives it a, a realistic flavor, you know, I, I, tried, I end up doing a lot of our conferences like this in the car for that reason, because it's the only place you can go where no one's going to bother you. Anyway, we were talking about our ideal clients. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what your thoughts are about this. But I find that a client who's willing to really do some work with us and talk about their goals, really what they want to see for their families, that's important to me, not someone who wants it done you know, very quickly or inexpensively. And, and not that I, I'm very, very mindful of cost because this area, you know, people don't want to sink a whole lot of money into something that's not going to work. So we want to be very conscious of, of how much we charge our clients for the estate planning that we do. But we also, we want to make sure that we cover everything because if we mess up, if I make a mistake, that, first of all, that's like my worst nightmare that keeps me up at night. But the other thing is that has a lot of consequences for someone that may not be around to even know it. So I don't want any, you know, ghosts of Christmas past to come and haunt me because I didn't put the right language into a power of attorney, which could happen. Yeah, I like to sleep at night too. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay, so what do you bring to the estate planning process that sets you apart from other estate planning attorneys? That's a great question. So one of the things I think that really helps me in my practice is that I really love people. I love knowing their stories. I love trying to help them. I have this, it's not always a good thing, but I always want to try to fix everything. 
it makes my children crazy because they tell me a story and I have learned to say, okay, do you want to be heard, hugged, or helped? Because I will dive right into that story, whatever it is, and I will try to fix everything. And my children say, mama, we don't want you to fix this. We just want you to listen while I complain about my teenage friends or whatever it is. So I, but my clients, thankfully, they want me to help them. So I can use my skills, my problem-solving skills, my passion for people to really try to make the best product that we can for our clients. Okay, so tell our listeners some of the common issues that you can help them solve. Right, so I just helped a woman. This was really exciting. She left on Friday for a hike up the Himalaya Mountains in Nepal. So she's not going to get to the top of Mount Everest, but she's going to be at base camp actually in four days. So it's an eight-day, no, she's an eight-day trip up and a three-day hike down. And she called me about a month ago, maybe six weeks, and said, I want to make sure everything is in place in case something happens. And, you know, knock on wood, I don't, it's a good time of year to go. And she's got a great team of people with her. So I'm sure she'll be fine. In fact, I didn't even give her the bill because I'm so optimistic she'll be back (laughs) when she returns. But she came to my office and we did a will, a last will and testament, which is where her stuff goes, right? And then we did a healthcare proxy, which is appointing someone to make decisions for you and your healthcare needs if you're not able to make them. We did a living will, which is the directives that you want, how you want to be treated medically if you are not able to make decisions about treatment. And then a financial power of attorney, which is a very powerful document that we drafted for her. So this would be a typical starter to an estate plan. We would do these four packages, these four documents for you. And then we could talk about more complicated things like a trust or investments or annuities or a 401k or an IRA. And all of those would be, you know, in your area of expertise, Diane. So that would be something I would call you about for the documents themselves. I draft, like I said, the will, the healthcare proxy, the living will and the power of attorney. Have any of your clients ever asked to videotape a, a message to their family that they can leave afterwards? Or is that something you suggested? Oh, that's a wonderful idea. I have had some, I have some reservations about videos, but I have had clients that videotape themselves. And I have also a sort of a questionnaire because the documents that I create aren't necessarily going to be available immediately. When someone passes away, the next question is, what do we do? Right. And so we have a questionnaire about what kind of service they would like to have, how they would like their remains to be treated. Do they want to be cremated? Do they have a mausoleum? Is there a place that, you know, they want to have a memorial service and All of that is in an initial questionnaire that we give to our clients. But that's a really interesting idea to have them videotape. I have heard of that and I've seen it, but my clients haven't requested it yet. But now I have to put it into my, you know, my questionnaire. (laughs) So what are the common misconceptions that people have about estate planning that you often encounter? Oh, my gosh. Right. So the first thing everyone thinks is that as soon as you sign your will, you're going to die. Right? They just don't want to talk about it. And so as soon as they have it, that's it. The next day, they're going to be hit by a bus. So thank God that has not happened to any of my clients. So I'm happy to say, knock on wood, that doesn't happen. The other thing is that you know you can put it off. That's always what people think. They can put off these decisions and these plans because there's going to be another you know, opportunity. And unfortunately, it just doesn't 
always work out that way. And we have, it's, this is why I say it's a gift you give your family, because if you don't put the plan together, then the mess that is left, it can be so expensive to clean up. If you have, I had a woman, she was only 47 and she had a stroke and she had two 20 year old daughters. They were twins and they couldn't pay her mortgage. They couldn't pay her electric bill. They couldn't get in her bank because she hadn't set them up as joint owners of the bank accounts or had no documents in place. So we actually had to go to court and appoint a guardian, which is a very expensive proceeding to get access to her bank account so they could pay her mortgage before her house went into foreclosure. So even if you're young and healthy and you think, well, this won't happen to me, unfortunately, it can't. And really, that's why it's important for everyone to have even these basic documents put together so that they can prepare for any inevitable difficulty. So how do you deal with these misconceptions? So I try to like I said, convince people that I'm not a bad omen, right? If I'm helping them. And I try to share these stories about difficulty and expense that are brought on by a lack of planning. And I try to, you know, explain to clients like it really is in your best interest. It's hard because you don't want to twist arms, right? I can't like make someone write a will, but I can say like it would be really helpful for your children to know, especially as part of my divorce practice, I will wrap up at the end and say, okay, now that you're divorced, everything that you wrote, if you had a will before, that's no longer valid or it's changed to the degree that you really need to update it. So you don't know what's going to happen next. You may fall in love. You may marry again. Then you have a blended family. And a blended family is, that is a huge source of friction and potential conflict and potential litigation. So let's avoid that and write your will out now and we can update it in you know, whatever, five years, 10 years. I do calendar my clients for a follow-up five and 10 years after we do a signing so that they, because life changes. So I try to convince them that it's in their best interest and it's in their family's best interest. And, you know, most of the time between all the professionals that the client has, if they have like a financial advisor or they have a CPA, we're able to, you know, convince the client that this is really a good way to manage their estate. They take care of their credit card bills and they take care of their, you know, monthly expenses. This is another level of financial planning that needs to be done. And we've already told us a story about when things went wrong <laughs> in <laughs> legacy planning. Do you have a story that went right? Sure. Yeah. yeah. So we were able to, even during the pandemic, you know, we have to have for each of these documents, you have to have two witnesses who are not mentioned in the document and a notary. And so we have four notaries in our office, including myself. And my mother and my sister were often my, I call them my professional witnesses. So we would go to the clients. It, we would watch us signing through a window in a nursing home, for example. One dad wanted to do his estate plan and he was going in for surgery. So we met him in the parking lot of the hospital and had everything planned out so that he could sign all the documents before he went into the doctor's office. And that was wonderful because his family was so grateful that he had all of his documents in place. And then he was fine through the surgery, but he was older and he passed away not too long after we signed, probably about four or five months. But we didn't have to worry. You know, he was content. He knew that he was leaving his family with his plan. His legacy was intact. 
Everybody was comfortable with his choices and they knew what was going on. And it was really, they were able to grieve his passing and not fight about who got, you know, the coffee pot and what to do after he passes away and how to handle his, you know, his bank account or his last dying wishes. So it was a family that was very strong and they supported each other. And having these documents in place was another piece of that family unity, which is always really nice to see. It's always nice when things, even though they're bad, end up being good, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In a difficult situation, you can focus on what's important right. and you don't have to be distracted by you know conflict and uncertainty. I agree with you. It's really important that, that your client's wishes and you know their lifestyle is taken into account and that you do what's best for them. Yes. Even if they only have a short period of time left, at least they can leave knowing that you've done your best for them. Right. And some of the best clients are the um, the, the control freaks, if you will, the ones who really want to be in control. And, and they want to make sure that everybody knows what they want. And I think that is extremely helpful for everyone because we get as granular as they want with their directives, you know, so everybody knows what it is that they actually you know, want to have happen. So what is your biggest challenge? Well, let's see. As far as helping these clients, I think sometimes it's convincing them to finalize the documents and really stick it with it because it is a process. It's not something that you can do in an hour. You have to revisit the the documents and your thoughts and stay with it. So I think, you know, I'm a excuse me, I'm a long I'm a stubborn person. And I'm a very, I'm a Taurus. So like I'm a very loyal person. So I stay with the clients and guide them across the finish line. And even though it's difficult. So I'd say that's probably one of the biggest challenges. The other one is sometimes I think there are some situations, some like Medicaid planning that are complicated and I need to bring in other people who are more of an expert in this area. And it's hard for the clients to understand why I can't do everything. And why we have to bring someone else in. And I just think it's safer for them that we have answers to questions that we plan as protectively of the assets as we can. And so that can be difficult. Having clients who have mental health issues is also a challenge. Communicating with clients who are not incompetent, but perhaps they have some paranoia, they have some some anger issues, but they want to control the situation and maybe, but they don't want to listen or understand or they can't process and remember. So having mentally ill clients is a challenge. What do you like best about being an attorney? (laughs) I love helping people. I truly love that feeling that, okay, we did something good today. We helped someone, you know, have some peace of mind while she hikes up the Himalaya mountains. We helped someone have some peace of mind for their family so they can go into surgery and not worry or we have a family with a special needs child and we were able to get a, set up a guardianship for the child so the parents could manage her affairs and make sure that she got all of the medical treatment she needed and she had only you know the finances that she needed. There's something called an ABLE account. We were able to help them set up an ABLE account so that she could have some money to do some fun things, but that she wouldn't jeopardize her state benefits. So my biggest thrill is helping people and helping them feel better about where they are in the world. That sounds great. And I think it's all of us in these professions feel that way, I think. Yeah. Okay. So is there anything that we haven't discussed that you think people should know about you, your firm, or estate planning? 
Well, I guess the only other thing I would add is that we really try to provide a personal touch with every client. We are a small, you know, I guess a boutique type firm. We answer the phone ourselves and we call people back. Within a day, we try to provide the best service that we can. And we really do a good job. I think people really appreciate what we do for them. So I would say, you know, again, to everyone who's listening, we would love to help you. I think that we have, you know, a wonderful service that we can provide. And, you know, it's a family affair. We are a family run business and we're trying to help your family. Okay. Now for the really tough question. How can our listeners contact you? Thank you. So there is lots of ways to reach us. We have a Facebook page and we have a website. And through both of those, you can link to us. The easiest way is probably to call us, the old-fashioned phone, at 412-281-1725. Or you can email me at loismviddy at viddylaw.com. It's L-O-I-S-M-V-I-T-T-I at V-I-T-T-I-L-A-W.com. All right. Our guest today has been the fabulous Lois Viddy. So for more information, again, you can contact her at VidiLaw.com. Again, that's spelled Vidi is V as in victory, I as in income, TT as in taco taco, and I as in income. So Lois, again, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. It was wonderful talking with you. Have a great day. You too. You've been listening to the Legacy Leaders Podcast with Katie Beth Hand and Stan Miller. For more information on them and the show, please visit PinnacleLegacyLaw.com. If you like what you've learned today, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.